Hollywood actors were Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Yeah. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. There is a new podcast out for black women and all those who love and care for us. We flesh in this here space, black women be. This limited six part series hosted by Lisa Anderson of the Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle and artist Amakayla Gaston explores the fullness of black women's humanity with topics ranging from creation to singing to managing a major business. We Flesh includes incredible interviews with amazing black women, such as former Black Panther Party leader Erica Huggins, artist Michelle Browder, and business leader and coach Susan Callender. New episodes are released on Mondays. Here we be in conversation and contemplation. Here we just be together. Subscribe to We Flesh wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. I am very thrilled to bring to you this special episode of our podcast with actor Alfrey Woodard. Now, this interview was conducted over the phone, so the audio quality is not up to the standards that I would prefer, but it's still good enough to be able to hear our conversation that we had and what a conversation it was. Alfrey Woodard is no stranger to anyone that is listening to this episode or to anyone abroad. She is an actor known for playing in dignified roles on stage and screen and has received tons of accolades for her work, including four Emmy Awards, a Golden Globe Award, and three Screen Actors Guild Awards. In this episode, she's here to promote her latest role in the TV series Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. She plays the role of Mimi. And in addition to our conversation, we get into the Oscars, which is coming up very soon next month. And there's been some recent controversy over the lack of black actresses that are being recognized specifically in the best actress category. So we go into a conversation about that and more. So if you are a fan of Alfre Woodard, a fan of all things cinema, you want to hear this scoop on what she has to say about the Oscars, well then sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, hosted by yours truly, featuring actor Alfrey Woodard. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Ms. Woodard. How are you? Oh, call me Alfrey. I am great. <laughs> I am great. Oh, Alfrey, it is such a... List, it's the, I, my day is unwinding, so you're my last interview of the day, and then after that, I'm going to sit back and watch some screeners. I'm in Virginia Beach, Virginia. No, I'm in Virginia, Virginia Beach. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you're watching screeners, hey? I am. I am. So, you know, it's fun. I, I get to watch movies and TV for a living can't complain. Uh, well, so 
sometimes it's fun. I'm happy, but sometimes it could probably be really disappointing and a chore. But tell me, tell me two, two. Give me three great recommendations of films I have to see. Oh, films. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I saw Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That was really good. Yeah. I, I'm a big Marvel fan, so <laughs> obviously, um, so th- that that was a good one. Um, I saw Megan, which was a while back. I don't know if you're into horror, but that was really good. Um, and I really okay. was surprised that uh, a black female screenwriter was behind that. So that was pretty awesome to hear. Um, and then what's something yeah. else that I've seen recently that I really liked? Mm, I'll recommend this, uh, a TV show that I liked. Uh, it's a Peacock TV show called um, Poker Face. If you like crime procedurals, oh, yeah. that's really good. Remember. Yeah, really, oh, really good. I remember. Marvel today and we're talking Moon Girl and you know Moon Girl is such a historical show in that we're seeing the first black female teen superhero in her own series and then for this to air in February is impeccable timing in and of itself so what led you to become a part of this groundbreaking project okay first of all I have to tell you Full disclosure, uh, I have known Fishburne since he was Lunella Lafayette's age, just a little, bit, a, bit, a little bit older than her. But I, I've known him all those years, and he called and said, you know, I got something I think you would want to do. I got something. And, you know, when Fishburne calls you, you do whatever he asks you to do. And it just so happened, you know, I read it, and I was, you know, I was, I was taken away because he is, you know, they, they call him the smartest, you know, person in the Marvel Universe. And I said, I, you know, she's the smartest person in all the universes. She's, you know, she's 13, an age that you don't want to revisit. I know I don't for anything in life, that whole middle school age. But there she is, you know, dealing with it, rocking it, scientific and proud of it, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's so wonderful, and then to have a dinosaur, you know, I, I love the fact that they've teamed up, she's so smart, but she can, she can uh, invent and innovate, but she can't, you know, she can't beat down physically, because sometimes you got to beat down, you know, the enemy, especially in a fantastical world, so she's got the dinosaur that's been escapes through the portal with her and she can't get rid of him and then it's like there's no need to you guys are a match made in you know the metasphere so i you know i loved all of that about it and especially 
you know, I had I was I had a science aptitude when I was growing up, <laughs> but um, and I I love science, but I was I wasn't exacting enough. I didn't depend on facts enough to really lean into my scientific side. Uh, so like I would I would have a great display for the science fairs, but it was really I was kind of you know exploring science through my artistic self. I could just make really fabulous atoms, you know, and those kind of things. Because my dad was an interior decorator, so I have all these materials to make, you know, the different, um, like, to make full-on representations of atoms and molecules. So I, I just have a, a soft, spot, soft spot for people who are really scientific-minded, and that's all that power and, you know, People talk about black girl magic. It's like, no, the power is real. Black girl, black girl power is real. And so we see that. And they're on the Lower East Side, when the Lower East Side used to be the Lower East Side, and, you know, it wasn't hipstered out and full of international money. You know, it was, it was neighborhoods where everybody, you know, everybody's grandma came from somewhere, and they all cooked different foods, and they looked out for each other. So I just, I love that world that it that it evokes, and I get to own the role with it skating rink. What's not to love? <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love it. And and I love the fact that you're no stranger to playing these matriarchal characters to black superheroes because you voice the mother of Static Shock in the animated series as Gene Hawkins. Yes. <laughs> and yes. and now I you're also voice Cleo. Yes. Yes. I voice Cleo in and and um the Robbie. So, so I mean, now, now you're Mimi, Nella Lafayette's grandmother, and from working on all of these shows, uh, Static Shock and, and Moon Girl and so much more, how much has changed working as a voice actor in animation? Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Because of computerization, the... The, the, what, the animation was drawn, and, you know, of course, I, I'm not good at this, so I'm having trouble explaining it, but it was it was hand-drawn, and I'm, I'm trying to make sure, because I did Brave Little Toaster. That wasn't Marvel, of course, but it, it, it had more of a handmade feel. And I remember when it, people were doing it on their computer, and any adjustment that needed to be made could happen instantaneously. And then they had it where you could, um, you know, with the live action. See, I tell you, I can't even describe it because I am not a technology proficient person. But as as the technology has, has progressed, it has the feel of it. And if you just say that. The feel of animation, the product, sort of crosses into a, a, a real-world aesthetic, visually. You know, because you can capture, so they might have a camera on you while you're recording, 
And of course, you have to make faces and all and gestures because that's the way we express ourselves to even get the voice out. You couldn't sit and just do a voice and not move and not have facial expressions. So there is a way of using that footage to incorporate it into the movement of the animated character. They get to do that thing which comes first, the, the chicken or the egg. Even with, say, the script is there, and you might record a certain scene, and then they decide as they put it together to tweak it or to to uh, score it, or to, to play that score, they might need a different, uh, you know, change a line or some words. So that's what's really interesting to me about it. You keep going back, fine-tuning it, and that's where you find the final project. And it can take two, three years to do just with the voice recording. And somebody might have been working on that, you know, finding that character visually on their computer. That's all they did for two or three years before it got to you. So it's a very, um, it's, a, it's a long process. And the people that do it, they're always so happy when you meet them. You, you go into these animation spaces and people are happy about their jobs and their lives. And then you realize they're sitting in in the room with a book up, sketching, so the book propped up so the teacher couldn't see that they were not actually looking at, you know, the battle of, you know, wherever. They were actually, you know, creating. They were they were traveling in their minds, sitting there. And so those those young people got to grow up and come to work and actually do that. You know, I just. I, I, I love doing, working in animation. And you're so good at it, too. I mean, your body of work is so impressive. And I, my next question to you, if you don't mind, I'm going to get a little controversial here, but I think it's important to get your take on this because as a working veteran actor who's been in the industry and understands this business quite well, I think your port, your your opinion rather is very valued in this. There's been scrutiny lately over the lack of attention paid to black actresses and black women directors when it comes to Oscar nominations. And in my opinion, I think your performance in Clemency was criminally underrated. Why do you think in over 90 years, the Oscars have awarded only one black woman the Best Actress Award? Technically, um, but you want to talk ninety years? We weren't, we weren't in uh, number one on the call sheet, or number two on the call sheet for most of those ninety years, right? And then there's that whole idea of uh, what people think an Oscar character is, you know. Uh, and it's all a lot of, you know, frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not going to be profane the way I would be, you know, off the record, but <laughs> it has so little, it has so little to do with what we are supposed to be doing and what we are really good at, which is storytelling. So it's a, it's a lane that I don't even know. I had to pull my feelings of caring about it, I had to check myself. It's like, really? Is that what we're doing? 
mean, if, if somebody wants that, that's fine. But when I think about it, the majority of the people that I think have been really exceptional at what they do as a storyteller, you know, over decades, they were never nominated for anything. Um, and that's, you know, people of color and the dominant culture. So I'm just, frankly, not that impressed when we talk about, um, talk about Oscars. It's an entirely different business. That's what I, I want to say. Oh, the awards business is an entirely different business than having a story to tell, working on that, delivering it to the people so that they receive it, the, the reason why you told that story. Now, the other thing is, like, uh, it's commerce. And they try to make it up, but it's basically kind of like, you know, it gets to be like, ice dancing with the when it used to be the eastern european judges were like you know tilting the the results you know so you know it's just a, it's a world that i don't put a lot of stock in so i'm probably not the person to comment but just to say uh the best films the films that we think of and people talk about people that love films and know film that they talk about is as a seminal film that they remember, they were never nominated, not to mention given a, an award for it. So you just got to put it in check. If you just want to talk about um, box office, you know, it's, it's all about, it's all about that. And yes, we can say now all of these women and the, you know, actors, directors are, making the box office, you know, then they, they might have something to say about it. If it, you know, because, well, if you, if, if you, if it is about commerce or why that, but then look at the Grammys. It's still a mess. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? Facts. Yes, I totally do. I completely yeah. do. And the other thing, this is, this is another thing. Let me tell you this. When I was growing up uh, in Oklahoma and Texas and that area, they used to have baby contests. It makes me giggle. I was in a baby contest at least twice. And can you think of anything more absurd than how do you judge a baby contest? Well, what they usually do is the person that won was the fattest baby. They just always did that. <laughs> and uh, the baby could be, it could be a baby in your arms. They usually had to be around 10 months so they could at least sit up and look around. And up to about three years old, and they trot the babies out. I think judging artistic output, a product, it's kind of like having a baby contest. It's a baby. <laughs> right. They're all cute. <laughs> They're all cute. They're all, they smell fresh. They're fresh from God. And you're going to tell me one of them, everybody, all the billions of people born have different fingerprints. But we're going to judge them at the most perfect moment in their whole lifeline when they're just fresh from God. Oh, no, I have this baby right here. That's kind of how, you know, that's how I think we need to look at this whole idea of, of storytelling and just not getting sucked into the game. Knowing who we are, knowing what we do, celebrating each other, celebrating 
other people that are also, you know, everybody's overlooked except the five people that get it. And we all know historically, that's like, you know, the Eastern European judges of yours at the Olympics. <laughs> so I don't know what, I, so that's how I feel about it. I really don't think about it because I'm not, I'm not in that business. Yes, I've gotten awards, and it's great to get them uh, because it means it means that it, it will have a, a longer life on TV or on, you know, that way. But we have a different way of doing that now. We, we reach our audience because there's 800 channels. So I think... I think we have to make sure that, uh, yeah, I, so, so, yes, I think it's good for the outside, people outside, you know, those the social, political people that look and chart what's happening in the culture, that's good for them to comment on, but just as, a, as an artist, you know, and, a, and as, a, as a storyteller, I I I just focus on on that and and for my sisters that's why I celebrate my sisters. It's like we got you, we see you, you know. Um, and I'll and, and then we let whatever, whatever, whatever I'm saying. I don't know, but you catch my drift. Um, it's it's good when people say, you know. Oh, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say a Texasism that isn't. I, <laughs> I'm not going to say it because you'll have to, you'll have to print it, and it is, but it is a Texasism. But um, um, okay. It's good when people say you. Okay, I'm going to say it. Poop ice cream. <laughs> from the days when there were baby contests when, you know, black mamas in Texas said, he thinks that little boy poops ice cream. Um, but, or, and, it, and it's still, you got to still be balanced when they think that you're the, you know, that women are, you know, the root of original sin. So you just got to take everybody's opinion and their judgment and their bestowing and their pay, you know, we work for pay. Now, you got to pay us equally. That's, that's not non-negotiable. But, you know, yeah, you keep moving. Do I really, do I really, how much do we really care day to day about, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yes, when people are flouting the rules and that don't mean we want to then like, why didn't I think of that? Well, let's do that. No, no, you think of, let's be proactive instead of reactive. So all I'm saying is I, I, I leave them all to it. All the, you know, you can't overlook me because I'm higher than you. You might look at my knees, but you can't overlook me because I've already did what I needed to do. I've reached my audience and I've moved on. I am making new, new things to give people that want to hear something want to see something that will lift them move them scare them make them laugh whatever but uh 
Just one question, uh, final question, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I and and I appreciate, I really appreciate that answer, and thank you so much for um, taking the time to give me such a nuanced and fully flushed uh, delivery of that. I really do appreciate it. My last question to you is: yeah, you know, Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The reason it was such a flood <laughs> is I haven't talked out loud one single word about this, so that's why you got. You got the, the scoop, darling. That's the <laughs> only thing I said about this. I've been on a farm in New Hampshire for nine months. It was like, you know what? I'm out of it. But anyway, so what's your question? <laughs> <laughs> and I am glad you gave it to me so much. Thank you. My last question is, you, you've had an impressive and incredible career as an actor and entertainer. What What are you most proud of so far on your journey? I wouldn't even call it proud. I am most grateful for you. You know, when you start out, with anything, you're, you can only see as far as your horizon. And the more you know, the more you don't know. But that you know that the more there is to discover. And that's great. Because that means you've you got a lifetime to keep, you know, taking the different roads in, in whatever discipline you decide in life. So you know you're never going to be bored. Because there's always something to do, always something to learn. But the thing that I didn't know... Before I started in the business, before I trained, when I just knew I was called to it, I didn't know that it changes the quality of your life to be in the business that I am because not from your paycheck, not from accolades, certainly, not from any of that, your life is rich because Every time I go to work, I meet at least 200 new people who want to do the same thing that I'm doing. You know, you come together, you know, everybody from craft services down to, you know, the, the, the fifth PA, you know, people who are like hanging lights, and we all came from somewhere. And you come together in that moment to create something. So we're all individual storytellers, but we have we come together to make that one story. And it demands immediate trust to be together because nobody's going to say, oh, you know, that movie sucks, but I, I really like the light that the grip hung over there. No, they're just going to go, I, I didn't feel that. So you're in it together. And you're together like it used to be 14-hour days, sometimes 16. And you're spending more of your life with that group of people you agreed to tell a story with, then you are with your family, then you are with your friends. And so that, 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 that means that behave in a way. You, you behave as your best, best self because it demands it, and it's an opportunity to experience that. And it means that that's what your life is. When people say, my life is dumb, my life sucks, my whatever, but then then that means you need to be doing something, putting yourself around people that you can say, oh, I did not waste a day in my life because I was talking to Jamila today over in costumes and we were talking about this. I was, you know, I sat down and had a cappuccino 
with Raphael, who, you know, who is a transphobe, head of transphobe. And he, was, he was talking about Guatemala. So that's the thing. I didn't expect. And so the longer you work, pay attention to who is on your crew, who's working in the office, who may not even, because we've all come together. We've agreed to come together for a reason. And that's a powerful, you know, cosmic thing. So, yeah. Well said. Oh, goodness. I, I feel like I've gained so much wisdom on this phone call with you. Thank you so much, Alfre. It's a pleasure. It is an honor and a privilege to have spoken to you today. And I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. Really appreciate it. Well, I asked for y'all because I said, oh, no, they got, we got to talk about Lunella Lafayette. This, this, this yes. show is so cool. <laughs> is Raphael Sadiq? musical director. I don't know if they told you, but uh, David is does a character. Uh, Maya Hawk. Who, is, who else is there? The Method Man? So many different people said yes, of course. They said yes, probably the same way I did because it was Fishburne, but that gives it its flavor and its authenticity. And uh, I just think it's really cool. I think people are going to like it a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait for it to come out on Disney Plus for more people to see it. I absolutely love the series. And uh, this is something that we all need to see is just the power of black girl magic on the, the small screen and looking forward to seeing it on the big screen in the future. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope to see you in the flesh someday. Soon. Yes, absolutely. I, I hope so, too. Every now and then I come out to L.A. for different events. So I'm sure we will run into each other at some point or another. Okay, good deal. All right. Okay. My okay. Have, have a wonderful rest of your winter. You, too. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.